Welcome to HXGN Radio. My name is Brian. With me today is Mark McIntyre from Microsoft to discuss security at hyperscale. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. All right, so what does it take to protect your data, your systems, and applications? Who sees your data and owns it? These days, we constantly hear of data breaches and cyber attacks on government agencies and critical infrastructure. And so today, we're going to be discussing this hot topic. So I'd like to know a little bit of a holistic view of what cybersecurity from Microsoft is from your perspective, basically. Sure. Well, we've been investing heavily for security for over uh, 15 years, really. Uh, but it wasn't until probably just the last four or five years that we decided we need to take a much more proactive, aggressive um, approach to it in terms of getting our message out there. The truth is we've been investing about a billion dollars a year in cybersecurity uh, for the last several years. And uh, the point for us is that we want to make sure that as companies, partners make larger business decisions, you know, where you want your business to go, digital transformation, how you're going to work in the future. Security should be part of that conversation. Security should not be a bolt-on afterthought. Agreed. Yeah, and it's a, definitely a problem right now. So it's good to be working on that and being proactive about it. Yep. So what are you what are you doing right now uh, in this space? Well, security for us it's a it's a multifaceted you know investment approach. We still believe as a software company at heart that uh, security begins with the code, the you know applications that are as written as secure as they possibly can be. So we continue to uh, continue to this day to use the uh, security development lifecycle as uh, sort of the real, uh, the real lifeblood of our engineering efforts. Um, we also invest really heavily in identity. Identity, I think, is the is the, is the critical control plane now. Uh, we've been investing heavily the last several years also in uh, let's say data, taking Microsoft's massive uh, global security data set, doing all we can with it uh, at scale, uh, using machine learning, AI tools like that, uh, but also opening up more and more of that data so we can work with partners, with cert agencies, responders, and actual customers. Okay. Obviously a lot of agencies and governments now turning to the cloud, for example, yes. uh, you know, what's Microsoft doing to protect the data on that? Well, we do a lot of things. Um, there is an inside joke in the company that I hope comes off. Okay. Where <laughs> when customers ask Microsoft, you know, Microsoft, what keeps you awake at night? Some of our security experts are known to point back to the customer and say you, <laughs> because, <laughs> because when you come into the cloud, our cloud, we inherit your risks, your threat actors. You know, I guess it's all on how you tell that joke. Sure. No, <laughs> but really, I, I, uh, I you get know, it. we're investing heavily from the ground up in terms of how we build data centers. That's one reason why I wanted to come to this conference, how we operate, maintain data, data centers, um, how we handle encryption, how we work with standards bodies, how we work with governments and regulators. Uh, there's really, you know, there's no one magic bullet here, uh, here in terms of how we can help organizations move to the cloud and be more secure. We have to do a lot of things at once, a lot of overlapping investments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, how does Microsoft deal with data sovereignty? And obviously, this is important to governments. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, Microsoft announced probably well over a year before GDPR uh, took effect. Uh, I think it was May, uh, May 18th or so, um, May 25th, I guess. We announced that we would be GDPR compliant as a company. We met that goal. We're very serious about that. So we certainly take a, a strong look at our compliance a posture, making sure that we are working, you know, within boundaries of national regulations or industry-specific requirements like Sarbanes-Oxley, um, HIPAA, PCI standards, you know, standards bodies like those. Uh, but also, you know, we're also working very uh, closely with uh, law enforcement agencies to go after cyber criminals, botnet herders, for example. Uh, we have been partnering very closely with. Um, with organizations like Interpol and Europol, and with industry partners in many cases to go after organizations that harm our users. Uh, we make available all, you know, our technologies and data centers 
you know, essentially, as you go from infrastructure as a service, up in a platform as a service, software as a service, we can take on more and more of that security work for you, along with our partner ecosystem. And so a um, big focus of our work right now is encouraging organizations to move responsibly, to pace that, that uh, response to their uh, security, budget, compliance uh, you know, requirements, help move organizations more and more to the cloud so we can take on more of that security work for them. Okay. Now, say my data you know, is in a certain country with different rules. Mm-hmm. How do you protect that? Sure. So we have uh, 50 uh, data center regions around the world right now. Each, each region has at least two data centers in it. Um, we guarantee uh, presidency so that it's, it's actually written into our SLAs. So okay. when you are a company and you create a resource uh, in our Azure, one of our regions, it will stay in that region. It's financially backed, and we give you ways to, to, to verify that, you know, that is indeed the case. Um, so obviously, if you're a multinational, you're a corporation operating in different countries, you have the option to create and store data in those, you know, in each country as you see fit. Uh, we also work very hard on our, um, you know, on offering different levels of encryption, so say different ways to encrypt your data. Data at rest in the data center, data in transit, data as a leaves of service, data in use, give you a lot of flexibility in how, you know, how you as a user want to uh, create your own keys for encryption, you know, find ways to uh, to really get that level of assurance that uh, Microsoft might be managing your data for you, but it's still your data and you still have absolute control over that data. Excellent. Now, how does Microsoft protect its own data? That's a, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> First of all, I, I, I encourage everyone to go to a really, really interesting part of our website. Uh, so if you don't want to believe it, you know, if, you, if you're not going to believe me, go to our own IT organization, Microsoft IT. And they have a fantastic set of resources called the MSIT Showcase. Dozens and dozens of really interesting short digestible case studies on how we have approached change, how we have proactively faced it, device policy, employee collaboration, remote worker scenarios. Uh, federated environments. In other words, we're living this, you know, we are living this transformation ourselves. Uh, we have moved our own company into the public cloud. You could say we are tenant zero. And so we have bet the future of our company and our ability to protect data in the cloud. So we uh, take a lot of the learnings that we've had and we figure we're a big company operating in 190 countries, 100 and some thousand employees. Our IP is very precious to us, and there's a lot of lessons there. We figure if there's a use case applicable to Microsoft about how we protect data, how we grant privileges, it's probably applicable to a larger ecosystem. So a lot of the technologies, policies that we, you know, that we put out there, the services that we offer, come out of our own experience moving our company to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Now, what was the, do you have a, a website link specifically to go to or just navigate to it? Or? <laughs> um, type in MSIT Showcase. <laughs> okay. MSIT <laughs> Showcase. Yes. All right. Excellent. What are some of the highest risks and threats that you've seen? The nation state attackers, those tend to be in the news the most. They get the most attention. Movies are written about them and books and they're out there and they'll always be out there. Uh, but I think um, the greatest collective threat that we have, for better or worse, is how people use IT. Yeah, the, the dreaded eighth OSI layer, people, people interacting with technology. Um, we all want to work. We all want to collaborate. We all want to use our own devices. We all want to use cloud storage apps. We want to use our phones. And IT security and you know, data and risk owners, we're charged with having to manage, to, uh, having to maintain that elusive balance between security and productivity. Uh, so in our case, we still view challenges against average users as the biggest uh, as the biggest uh, threat area because the reality is while there are definitely advanced attackers out there most attackers don't need to be very good they can just be persistent uh, they can go off they can go into the internet and they can reuse 
older exploits because they now know they're always going to be able to find a user a company uh, that is not doing some of that important hygiene for security. Now, if you want some specific examples of really, really serious threats, things that keep us awake at night, uh, think about some of the recent uh, ransomware attacks like NotPetya, for example, where you have a very um, troubling trend where uh, the more advanced society of attackers that are that are um, coming in and they're, you know, implanting uh, malware where different variants pop up according to each user. So suddenly, exponentially, the defender's job gets much harder because you're having to, it's almost like whack-a-mole. You're having to, pl- to con- con- you know, play defense, having to be good 100%, you know, excuse me, having to be good 100% of the time when the attacker only has to be good one time to get in. So that's a very troubling area. It's out there. Um, but fundamentally, it, you know, I think our focus is still going to be on, on protecting identity and the people that actually use uh, technology and devices. Now, like you said, it's more like the whack-a-mole thing, but I'm assuming you're also doing, you know, proactive measures to try to get in front of those as, as much as you can. We do a lot of that. You know, if you think about the explosion in devices, explosion in data, uh, I know that's been a big theme here at the conference this week. Um, fundamentally, how well you understand your own data, in this case, security data, will definitely dictate how well you can defend your organization. And traditional defenses are important, but more and more, tomorrow's, tomorrow's investments are going to be focused around uh, big data sets, things that help you understand unusual behavior, unusual credential behavior, unusual application usage. You know, in and of themselves, these events or alerts don't necessarily mean a compromise or attack, but they point to something that should not be happening in your environment. And more and more of these, uh, more and more of our investments and in the industry are going to be technologies that capitalize on machine learning AI type type uh, offerings uh, to help really parse out massive data sets and find those, you know, those, those, those needles in the haystack, find those outliers. And increasingly, that's going to be where you're going to find attacker activity. Sure. Okay. How can a company like Hexagon leverage Microsoft's offerings to protect, you know, our customers, for example. Well, I mean, we think it's important to adopt uh, more and more of a cloud-first security model. You don't get there overnight, you know, you don't, but, but you take steps. Um, definitely, the more you can, more hexagon, the more your your you know, your ecosystem can move into infrastructure, or platform, or software as a service models. You transfer some of that risk over to cloud providers like like Microsoft. I mean, you still ultimately own your risk, but we can handle more and more of that for you, and we can do it at a pretty massive scale. So as you think about transforming environments, as you think about how you're going to collaborate in these federated environments, if you give us, give us the opportunity to take on more and more of that work for you, you can free up expensive security talent to actually go out and focus on security alerts that matter. In other words, you know, I mentioned this, this data explosion. Do you want your scarce security talent? Do you want them managing infrastructure? Do you want them managing the logistics of security? Or would you like to free them up and manage the actual events that can hurt you. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. What's the future going to look like for data security? <laughs> I mean, it just well, keeps changing. I, yeah, I, I don't think we'll stop collaborating. Okay, uh, good, good. I, I really hope no one, you know, picks up their marbles and go home and goes home. People are going to want to work on the device they want to work on. They're going to want to use, you know, new new SaaS apps. They're going to want to store data anywhere they possibly can. Especially as more and more you know, younger folks, millennials uh, come in the workforce, college students now, they just expect this experience. And we have to be able, you know, have to find a way to provide this, this type of experience for, for these users. So I think future data security is really going to be focused on uh, creating more and more on software providers, 
solution providers providing more and more holistic sort of end-to-end capabilities to help to help a user just simply work how they want to work on a device, phone, what have you, at Starbucks, kiosk. You know, but at the same time, the security teams are going to need more and more assurance that they can apply a certain protection uh, label, a policy on a on an, on, you know, on an email, on a, on a document, and then that protection will follow that document throughout its life cycle. Protection will not end at the firewall, will not end with the device. Protection will follow that, um, that object. I think that's the model that we really have to get to. It's out there. Microsoft certainly does a lot of this work. Others in the industry do as well. If we can encourage organizations to think about identity-driven environment, identity-driven security, get away from some of the old thinking, uh, I think that we can really help uh, maintain that balance. Good. Good. Well, it sounds good and things are moving in the right direction. And, and I, I like the idea, like you said, of the collaboration and doing what you can. You know, that's, that's the main thing, keeping people involved. So excellent. Well, Mark, thank you very much for sharing all of this. Appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, more information and more episodes, go to hxgnspotlight.com. Thanks so much for listening today and have a great rest of your day. 